Welcome to Salt Cravings, a comedy podcast where we talk about our cravings and just sort of screw around, I guess. Uh, I'm Brianna. And I'm Claire. And uh, today we're back because I'm back from vacation. I yeah. was just uh, on vacation. Tell for me about your vacation. Week and a half. So my family and I went to Hawaii, which was cool. We were on the big island. Those of you who follow the news at all may have noticed that. I don't. So well, tell me what's in the news. Well, there was some news about uh, a hurricane that became a tropical storm that was in Hawaii over this past week. <laughs> so, so you got rained on a lot. We got rained on like one night. We were luckily on the part of the island where the hurricane didn't hit much. It hit the other side of the island much more. But in Kona, where we were, it was just sort of like everyone was kind of standing around waiting for the hurricane to happen. And then it didn't. And like the most that happened was a bunch of rain. And that bunch of rain was about the same amount of rain as you get here on a normal like day in Vancouver in like winter. So just sort of cut the heat a little bit. Yeah, it was like also kind of warm rain. So it wasn't too bad. It was a shower. Yeah, it was sort of like a nice shower. It was honestly like, yeah, it was nothing, but everything was kind of closed because everyone was anticipating the hurricane. And then when it didn't happen, everyone was just sort of like, oh, well, shit. Okay. So I guess we can open up again. Then everything was kind of open. Kind of open? Like most things were open. Some things were open. Some things were closed. There wasn't anywhere who was half open. I don't think that that's just the front of the store is open. (laughs) You can't go beyond this white line that we've drawn for this. Oh man, just yeah, 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 yeah. Levels of the the store, but yeah. So that was the main thing. Was we had like like we we prepared for as soon as because we got there and then they we found out about the hurricane and we were like okay well well, let's prepare for this and we kind of planned to have a day inside at least if not like a couple of days inside. So you're like, oh man, it's going to be bad and, you know, no one will go outside. And then that didn't happen. So we, so you were outside every day? We were outside every day. We we were inside for most of the day because we were like, okay, hurricane's going to happen. Hurricane's going to happen. Hurricane's... And then it didn't. So we went out for dinner and it was lovely. We went out for dinner a lot. We yeah. went out for dinner to a place that has... I still can't decide if it's the best or the worst name for a restaurant, I've heard. Uh, anyway, uh, the theme was a humpback whale, so it's called Humpies. Um, Welcome to Humpies. Yeah. If you go on Wednesday, you <laughs> go to Humpies on Hump Day. God, yeah, no. We didn't go on Wednesday, I don't think. It's but too bad. We, we went on Saturday because they had they were supposed to have live entertainment in the form of a man named pa- Poncho Man, and we were incredibly curious. We didn't see Poncho Man, though. We think he may have just been a myth. Is that just a man wearing a poncho or is he like a man who is a poncho? Well, I, my theory, my theory is he's a superhero who has the ability to spontaneously create ponchos. Okay. So just like, out of not nothing. just on himself, but like, so he just goes around and he just points his fingers and he's like, you have a poncho now. Yeah. You have a poncho now. Oh yeah. You can't see because the poncho is in your eyes. I'm going to fight you. Yeah. Defeat you. I'm the hero. I win. I've, I have a poncho that will, uh, envelop you and, uh, trap you. The poncho of justice. The poncho of justice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we did, we never saw him, so I don't know if that was what he was. I hope it was. He was too busy fighting crime. It's true. He was too busy. He didn't have time for humpies, but we had time for humpies. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bad sentence. We made so, oh, we made so many worse sentences. When my dad ordered, they had like a couple of options that had the name of the restaurant in the thing. And he Mm. made sure to order with the name of the restaurant. Of course. And was just like, yeah, I'll get the humpies hummus. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> I really like that they went strong on the alliteration. <laughs> they really did, but all of the all the servers and stuff like did not call it that. They were like, Yo, "Okay, you want the hummus?" <laughs> Which like fair. You work at Humpy's. I don't know if you want to say the name that much. But so that was basically the highlight of the trip. We also saw space. Ooh, we went up Mauna Kea and saw space through telescopes. Wow. We saw the planets Jupiter, Saturn, and the moon, which is a planet, of course. <laughs> wow, I do love those three planets. <laughs> accurately named all of. Um, I was going to ask which side of the moon you saw, and then I was just like, wait, the moon is tidally locked. Yeah, no, we saw the, no, we saw the dark side of the moon, it's true. Yeah, that makes sense. You just, like, set up a big mirror into space, and then yeah. you just look at the mirror. Yeah, exactly. That's um, fine. It was great. It was, it's, well, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. I mean, it wouldn't be the dark side of the moon anymore, because it would reflect light from the mirror onto the moon. Yeah, but not that much light. I mean, the dark side of the moon is never always dark. Nothing's ever always dark, Claire. Well, that's not true. Some planets are tidally locked and therefore always dark on one side. Yeah, but that's science and I okay. don't, I don't um, subscribe to science. Okay. I Well, I, it's it's all moot anyway because we know the Earth is flat. Right. Well, actually, um, the Earth <laughs> is a... It's a donut. It's yeah? a donut. Yeah, it's the a Earth donut. The Earth is a donut, yes. I actually had someone tell me once that, not the Earth, but that a planet, like, it, it is theoretically possible for a planet to be in the shape of a donut. Like, there is there is scientific reasons why it is possible for a donut planet to exist. And ever since then, I've never been able to stop thinking about the donut planet, and I really hope Earth is a donut. I don't know how that would happen due to gravity, but I guess... I, I, this, there was science in the article that said it could happen. Okay. Now I'm curious. I'm going to go read that later. I'll, I'll see if I can pull it up and find it for you because I think it's wild to think of a donut planet. It'd be really bad ecologically. Oh yeah. Terrible. So anyway, cravings. So uh, one of my first cravings actually sort of relates to islands and whatnot. Relates very softly to islands. That is mostly because it is the animated series Avatar The Last Airbender, which is about a bunch of different nations on different islands. Not all of them are on islands. Some of them are on floating islands. Some of them are on big continent-sized islands. The three types of islands. Yeah. Islands, floating islands, and continent-sized islands. Yeah, except there are four nations. uh, Four big nations, at least. Have you seen Avatar The Last Airbender before? So, I have not, which is a travesty, frankly. Right. And I'm gonna watch it. I haven't seen it before, but I know the general concept. There's the four nations that are the four elements. Okay, I'm gonna go into a little bit of spoilers, but That's fine. not I've super seen, big spoilers. I've seen spoilers. Okay. It's been around. It's also a show that came out in 2005, so it is a 13-year-old show, so if you haven't sort of caught up on these spoilers by yeah. now, you're really only doing yourself a disservice. It's sort of like, it's sort of like saying, sorry, I'm gonna uh, give spoilers for uh, Star Wars, for The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Darth Vader is Luke's father. Wow, that's, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I guess that's a spoiler. <laughs> okay. Give me, give me the spoiler content. Right. So there are different nations in Avatar The Last Airbenders. There's four big types of bending. Airbending, earthbending, firebending, and waterbending. The story, All four genders. Right. The story is about the Avatar going missing for about a hundred years. He accidentally gets caught up in a storm one night and just as a result freezes himself in a giant Honestly? ice block out of Avatar mode. It just happens. It's episode 
one. That's that, just how it be. You know, yeah. sometimes that's just how the world is. So he's just been missing for a hundred years. And so the idea of the Avatar is he keeps these four very different nations in balance, but he's been missing for a hundred years. So suddenly the Fire Nation attacks because the Fire Nation mm-hmm. wants control of well, all of the nations. And mm-hmm. so with a power gap, you sort of see this dynamic play out. And a hundred years later, the Avatar comes back and the world has changed. It is no longer mm-hmm. like he knows it. And it's sort of exploring everything that has changed in this mm-hmm. series. One of the biggest things, uh, and this is episode three, I've been rewatching it. It goes really fast. And in episode three, we find out Aang is the last airbender, hence the name Avatar. Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah. Every other airbender has been killed by the yeah. Fire Nation. And it is quite the moment because Aang just refuses to believe that he is the last airbender alive for the entire episode because the islands are floating. Mm. There's absolutely no way the Fire Nation could get to it. And then they get there and it's deserted and nothing is as beautiful as it was before. Mm. And Katara, one of the main characters, finds a Fire Nation mask and calls Aang over and then hides it last second, not wanting him to know. Oh. Yeah, so it's really interesting because Katara and Sokka have both lost their parents in mm. the War to the Fire Nation, so right. they know what it's like to lose family or raised uh. by their grandma. It's a cartoon made 13 years ago with some heavy themes about loss and war and like chosen family. And it's one of my favorite things. One of the coolest things about the bending is how the animation is. Each four styles, water bending, earth bending, fire bending, air bending are all based off of different fighting styles. I'm going to go through each one of them. Yeah. Water bending is based off of Tai Chi because it's focused on alignment, body structure and breath and visualization. Earth bending is based off of Hungar, chosen for its firmly rooted stance and powerful strikes. Firebending is based off of Northern Shaolin, used for strong arm and leg movements, and airbending is based off of Bagao, which uses dynamic circular movements and quick directional changes. So when you see these different styles animated, you can see how differently they fight each other. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest scenes that happens in episode three is a fight between two firebenders. There's this really really good piece of music that starts playing, which just gives you a feeling of combat is ready. Mm. And I'm going to play that for you now. All right. Give me that combat music. piece of music. I really like it because it plays the first time when Zuko challenges one of the commanders in the Fire Nation army mm. uh, to a Agni Kai. Zuko is the son of the Fire Lord who has been exiled because of reasons that come up throughout Later. the season. And so he's on the hunt for the Avatar to mm. sort of have his father love him again. He really wants to be back in the Fire Nation because he feels like he wants to become Fire Lord one day. He also 
just goes through a lot of transformation throughout the series. Every character goes throughout transformations in the mm-hmm, series. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things that just came up in my rewatch is the Kyoshi Warriors, which are all women that show up near the beginning and continue to show up later. But Sokka, who was a really sexist character in the beginning, just goes on a rant about how he could never lose to them after getting his butt kicked by them uh, and getting captured. After getting his butt yeah, kicked? Yeah, no. They show up on the <laughs> island, get their ass handed to them, and then he gets really defensive, like, oh, they had a sneak attack. Like, mm. it's not it's yeah. not fair. And so then he goes and challenges the leader of yeah, the Kyoshi Warriors, and she kicks his ass. Of and course. then, this is great, he comes back later in the same episode and is like, I would be honored if you were my teacher. And like, oh. I want to learn from you. One of my favorite lines is, at first I saw you as a woman, but now I see you as a warrior. And she just replies, I am a woman and I am also a warrior. Hell yeah. Hell um, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. So Sokka is um quite the character at the beginning. They all go through a lot of uh-huh. growth. And uh-huh. I really love this animated show because it's- it just has great themes and great character development. It seems very cool. Yeah. Another character who does come in sort of later but is very well known is Toph. Have you heard of Toph? Yes, I've heard of Toph. Right. I, I study disability representation. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Toph is blind and so yeah. one of the coolest things about Toph in The Last Airbender is she has her own style of fighting. Yes. Because she is blind. So she practices the Chugar Southern Praying Mantis style. There is ableism in the show of of course. course, it is quite old, and even new shows don't do that well. There is there is something extremely cool and extremely interesting about having a different way of relating to the world when you're disabled, and having that right. represented in like mechanically. Right, and Toph's storyline is amazing. Nice. I love her so much. Toph, when I was very young, was like my crush. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to be here or if I want to. just... Just, you know. Well, I was like 10 years old when this yeah. came out, so... Yeah, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, I've never seen Avatar, but I know lots about it. One of the... Most of what I know about it is world building level. Obviously, I do world building that is like a, a central thing of my life. And so I've found out a lot about like the the world building. We've just been see- I've just seen a lot because Avatar has excellent world building. Like just the thing that you describe about different nations having their own styles of fighting... Also, like, just on an elemental level, I find it very interesting and kind of funny that the Fire Nation decided to attack the water and the earth and the air nation because the air nation, uh, I can understand how fire beats air, but by Pokemon logic, <laughs> they should have just gotten instantly crushed by water and earth. Well, it's so I know that's not the case. Sort of like the level 100 Charizard fighting the level 5 Squirtle. That okay, I think you're going to win no matter yeah, what. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think that that's very funny. One of the last surviving strongholds called Ba Sing Se, which is based on the Forbidden City in China, is one of the last strongholds not taken over by mm. Fire Nation and and it is run by Earth Nations. Nice. That's very cool. The show seems 
super cool and I'm super into element and world building and it seems like some and some very compelling characters and representation and all of those things. Yeah, and the best part is right now it's all on Netflix. All oh three yeah, it seasons. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why this is one of the reasons it's on my list of things to watch because right. it is on Netflix and it is apparently amazing and it is something that I need to watch it's that I've not watched amazing. yet. Yes. And if you like the world building aspect of it, there is also Korra right yes. after it. Yes, yes, yes. Continues the world building and is, I think, 40 years after the events yes. of Avatar The Last Airbender. Which is the best shit. I'm so into, like, time jump yeah. to the next series. Oh, it's very good. No, yeah, Avatar seems super cool. So you're satisfying this craving right now with a rewatch? Yeah, so this, is a, this has been a craving... For a long time, and I usually only watch media once. This is only my second time going mm. through it. But I've had the craving basically up until I've started satisfying this craving. Still a craving, though, as I always want to think yeah. and talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. We should maybe watch it together, is a thing that I'm thinking. All but right. also... I'm probably going to just watch it a third time with you then. Fair enough. <laughs> Reasonable. Uh, yeah, I don't know when I'm, when I'm going to watch it, but I am going to watch it. I'm always super interested in the choice of elements. I think fire, water, earth, air. I mean, those are those are classic, of right. course. What would be your other one? Poison? <laughs> poison bending. I think poison is... A, I feel like it, I, we're, we might just end up going through Pokemon types. Right. Uh, the flying benders and the rock benders. Yeah, the flying benders, the rock benders. Which are just variations. Those are just variations of air and earth. Right, exactly. (laughs) One of my favorite types of bending that does actually come up is there are two types that come up through the last airbender that are different than the main four, and that is steel bending. Cool. Which is created by Toph. Love that. Uh, and blood bending. Okay. Terrifying. Yes, it is actually incredibly terrifying. Uh, and in the episode that it is introduced, Katara learns it. And Katara learns it because she wants to get revenge on the people who murdered her parents. Cool. Great. And awesome. Then she finds the people who murdered her parents in a later episode. Great. Cool. She, cool. Cool. And you, then no we spoilers. Are faced with the conflict of whether she does it or not. Mm. So this is the conflict she has to fight. You right. said no spoilers, so I won't Thank you. say what happens, but cool. yeah, bloodbending comes up. It is appropriately creepy in terms of yeah. episode dynamic, and I love it. I was trying to think of other elements to use, and I was like, what about spirit bending? But that's just necromancy. That I have, <laughs> The Avatar can actually go into the spirit world, so kind of. Cool! Neat. Yeah. The Avatar love can... The, love the astral plane. Right. And the Avatar can also talk to the Avatar's previous incarnations. Oh, right. It's like a it's like a, 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 a Doctor Who situation. Mm, but better. <laughs> but better original. in literally every way, yeah. Yeah. Because the Avatar has... And they show this in episode three, uh, when you enter the Avatar temple, there are hundreds, if not thousands of avatars, which I was just thinking about this on my rewatches. There are so many different stories they could tell about the different nations, because this means there are just thousands of years of avatar world building. That's very cool. I love, I love this, this extremely established, extremely old world. Right. And one of my favorite avatars that I would have loved to see is a Kyoshi warrior. Mm. 
Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not like a new thing. They've yeah. been around and that's established. And we could get a really cool story about that. I love, I love this. I love, that's woman bending. Oh. <laughs> Just, you know, like woman, woman warriors who can bend whatever. That's, that's woman bending. That's this what that is. Sounds like you're Gen- trying to hit on women. I mean, always, but not maybe what I was going for. I was just thinking about gender bending now. Oh, I see. <laughs> just, just, yeah, that's, that's the other, the other element, gender. Yes. <laughs> the five elements. The five elements. Yeah, gender, the, the secret fifth element. I guess the air, earth, water, fire is the four classic elements. I can't it think is. of what other ones I was thinking of. And it, like they kind of, you know, obviously they have different uses. Uh, what about lightning bending? That's air bending, right? That's actually fire bending. Cool. Yeah, that is another one. I totally forgot about that. There is a character that learns how to lightning bend. Cool. It's frightening. That's it is terrifying. Horrifying. That's, that's, that's really bad, but cool. I mean, very cool. It seems very cool to watch and great to watch. Speaking of elements. Okay. Speaking, speaking of, of the el- four elements. Speaking of the four elements. Do you have another element? I, I, well, I don't have another element, but I have an, uh, something that I want to see done that involves one of those elements. And that element is water. So I'm doing a thing here, which I've decided is just a thing that I'm doing on this show where I say things that I want someone to make, but don't have time to make myself in terms of writing. You're trying to outsource <laughs> via the podcast. <laughs> yes, I am. And the one that I'm trying to outsource today is uh is the concept of water yep the concept of water of a trans adaptation of the little mermaid there's like many ways you could go with it but to me i just want to see because to me the story of the little mermaid is like excellent potential to talk about like the draw of normativity of like being like oh yeah you know like to me the land represents when you're like, oh, I want to be a normal woman. I want to be, you know, normal and, and have all of these like normal things and be part of that world. Eh? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> um, which of course is represented by this man that you need to have love you, heteronormativity. And also the only way that you get there, um, that you can get there is by getting legs, wow. which is, you know, a metaphor. Really? And by losing your voice. Yes. Which is also a metaphor mm-hmm. by being unable to be like an activist or to stand up for yourself as long as you want to be in this very normative world. Right. So that's a lot there. One of the things that I recently learned in terms of how Little Mermaid perpetuates expectations is it is a huge proponent of martyrdom within relationships. Yes. Especially the original and the non-Disney mm-hmm. version where it's a little more bittersweet, the ending. It's dark. It's yeah. dark. Which version are you talking about? The non-Disney? I don't know. The, the Hans one. Christian Andersen yeah. one? Yeah. Because the, the, like, original one that I know is written where she doesn't get the prince in the end. Right. Where she just fades into the sea. And it's, like, super sad. She just, she just dies. Huh. Because she doesn't get the love of the prince. And she gives up her voice anyways. She does. She gives up her voice. She tries for it, but she can't, like, bring herself to do something. And so she, she, like, just fades into the sea. And Interesting. Is- this is what I was sort of thinking with martyrdom is 
yeah. we're taught to sacrifice our own needs in order to yeah. put others first. And The Little Mermaid is a very good example of that. It is. It, it absolutely is. Well, and it's also because Hans Christian Andersen, my understanding is he wrote this about, like, because he was gay and because he was in love with a man who didn't love him back. And sacrificed everything for him. And so there is that that also level of like, it's already about queer martyrdom specifically. So yeah, no, no, the martyrdom thing is there. So I think you could do, I think first of all, (laughs) first of all, I don't think you have the ending that there, I mean, I don't know, I'm not the one writing this, someone else is going to write this, but I don't think you have the ending that is in the original, which is super sad. And I don't know if you have the Disney ending either. I think that this is, I think there's many ways to go with this. So um, what ending would you have? Well, there's many endings that you could have, which I think depend on what the water is. Because if the land is normativity, then the sea can either be in this format. It can either be like boyhood, which you're transitioning out of, right? Or, or, in, you know, that kind of assigned male at birth. Boyhood with like 10 quotation marks around 10 it. quotation marks. Yes. That's sort of the, the transition from land to sea. And then I think in that one, or the transition from sea to land. And I think in that one, you got to have some sort of third option or something like that. I'm not going to lie when you say it depends. Depends on what the water is. I thought you just meant whether it was salt water or fresh water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it could be either. I think it's usually salt water. You know, where the ocean are. is fresh yeah, water. That's yeah. a horrifying thing. Oh, uh, it kind of is. That would result in a mass extinction. Would it? Of, of many species. Species, yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. No. Um, so that's one possibility. The other possibility is fresh water. No, is where like the sea is a sort of like trans activism and, and that sort of thing. And the, the desires to be like, Oh, I want to be normal. I don't want to be an activist. I don't want to, you know, have this person on me. And so like, I think in that ending, maybe the ending is going back into the sea. I don't know. Like, I think that no matter what it is, there's got to be some, some complex ending because both of the options presented are kind of not ideal and not everyone has to choose a certain option. What is Ursula in your new version? Ursula, of course, is a gatekeeper. Oh, okay. Is of course a gatekeeper, right? right? Is like, is like, so we just, do we just like straight up give her like a doctorate and be like, this is not subtle anymore. (laughs) The two, the two possibilities of telling this story that I have thought of are one where it is like it's the story of the little mermaid and there's like you know influences of this but it's about like people on land or whatever right Right. it's like it's like about humans and it's not like a magic land where there's mermaids and stuff it's just like there's there's mermaid imagery everywhere and so ursula is just literally a doctor it's just literally a doctor named dr ursula i love that wow that's really good so who is the little mermaid then the little mermaid's ariel Oh, and Ariel is not a mermaid. In that version, she's not. The other is it version. Is still called The Little Mermaid? It could be. I'm not trans, writing this. The Little Trans Girl Who Wants Surgery, but <laughs> Ursula is blocking her. That's a really lengthy title. <laughs> the Little Mermaid, I think. I think you could still call it The Little Mermaid. I think that that's kind of cute, just as an idea. I mean, that in that one, you just have so much imagery of just like Ariel being a mermaid in like not the literal, not a literal mermaid, but like, you know, you have the under the sea dance if this is a high school thing. If it's not a high school thing, if it's an adult thing, then I don't know. It's just 
You don't have the under the sea dance if it's an adult thing? I mean, the under the sea dance, I think, is a pretty classic high school trope. Is it? I think it is. I mean, where where else would you have it? I don't know what it is. It's it, like... It's just a dance. It's a dance that's just the theme of the under the sea thing. I mean, no, you have it at our... No, you have it at our uh, queer dance party that had the underwater <laughs> theme. That one. You know, with the denim mermaid? So you do have it with adults. You could. Yeah. So you have it in any version. Sure. Absolutely. I don't know. So I'm not writing this. This version is a musical, right? Like it has to. Oh, a musical. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, this if is they a remove them. I'm not watching it if it's not a musical. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, that's that's fair. I was going to, you know, set this out in the world and let whoever wants to go with it, go with it. So I'm not going to be offended if you don't watch it, but also it should be a musical. The other version that you do is just, I don't know. It's just like with the water and the, and the land, like you have the sea and the land and it's just trans somehow it's just the story of the little mermaid but ariel is trans i guess and maybe it's instead of you get legs it's you are transformed into a like cis woman bodied person a cis woman bodied person yeah that's that's the words that i've decided to use there So there's that. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on what version the people listening to this who are going to make this. You just want everyone to write their own version of The Little Mermaid and then submit it. I, yeah, of course I do. I think, I think just that The Little Mermaid has a lot of potential as a story to tell trans experience. Ideally by trans people. Yeah, I want a trans, obviously I want a trans person to write this. Ideally like a trans woman to tell this kind of story of like the pull towards normativity that you feel and that includes the pull towards heteronormativity right right so there's all of those things there so would the prince actually just be a princess then is are we just going to make it gay as well i mean we could make it gay my my point was that the prince is a prince because the prince represents oh i see heteronormativity you know it's all a metaphor but it's not a metaphor also and so what if the prince actually at one point has a fiance, but then Ariel also meets the fiance and ends up with the fiance instead. That's and then an they take option. his kingdom. Ooh. <laughs> I like this version also. I feel like this version has, I don't know what the metaphors of this version are. I guess, yeah, no, I guess I know what the metaphors of this version are because this is maybe the version where. Oh, I got it. So there's a Go. princess who is the princess of a kingdom and the prince is a prince only in name because he is the fiance of the princess. Oh. However, he's a shitbag because he's a guy and he goes and sees Ariel from time to time. Errol then meets the princess, they talk about it, fall in love, realize the prince is a piece of shit, and <laughs> exile him to the water, but they don't give him gills first. And it's all about lesbianism right. and women. Yes. I, I like this. You could also do two kingdoms, or okay. a prince and a princess who are like brother-sister, and like she's like going for the prince, going for the prince, and then she realizes there she's way options. more into the princess. <laughs> Like, there's a whole scene where she goes back to the castle of the prince, sees the princess, and it is just a big scene of, oh, I'm yeah. in love with the wrong person. Yeah. Or something like that. Or she's been hanging out with the princess for, for like, throughout the time, right? As she's, like, you know, as things are like... She also has no voice, is important to mention, which is, you know... So everything is dramatic music. Everything... Oh, everything is dramatic music. Yeah. And stuff like that. I don't know. There's been a lot of retellings of The Little Mermaid over the years and this kind of just makes me want a trans one because it feels 
Like, it needs to be there. It needs to be trans. It needs to be trans. Like, everything needs to be trans. I mean, I need more trans princess stories in general. Yeah. I just have an affinity for The Little Mermaid, and I would love to... I mean, you could really do... This could also just be princess stories, but trans. Because most of them, I think, could have a pretty compelling trans retelling. Cinderella, obviously. Why Cinderella? I mean, you just have literally, like, Cinderella is forced to be a boy by her evil stepmother and then has a fairy godmother who lets her be herself and helps her out there's there's that's the that's the version i would envision okay right and there's all sorts of angst in that and good also angst and good angst and good in that the two Um, elements yeah that one's more of just like a a direct i don't know there's lots of potential what do you think claire what do you think about trans princess stories i don't think there's enough of them well there certainly is not i don't think there's enough of them that i have an opinion though like what about for what they could be what are some give me give me some i i want to i want to hear some trans princess stories or versions of the little mermaid that you would want to see or something how about just a trans princess who's kingdom is in ruin because she just refuses to accept herself in order to fit in Ooh. and then finally one day just decides no i'm not gonna let other people tell me who i am mm. and as a result is capable of focusing on her kingdom again and um i love this is better this is this is that's that's i like that I like that quite a bit. It's the it's that thing of like, oh yeah, because I'm ha- I won't acknowledge what I really am. Everything in my life is shit because I don't take care of myself and taking care of yourself and your kingdom, I guess. I don't know. Do you have a kingdom, Claire? Um, I have a bed which when I fall asleep feels like all the kingdom that I need. <laughs> I have a kingdom in my dream. <laughs> My dream kingdom. <laughs> Your dream kingdom. Your dream kingdom where you are a queen? Princess? I'm just the ruler. I don't know. It's yeah, you're the ruler. different stories. It's my dream kingdom, and I just wander through the dreams and enjoy the delights of what it has to offer. All of the delights of the dream kingdom. Right. What is your kingdom? My kingdom. My kingdom is the kingdom that I write in. You know, of course. My, I mean, oh, physical, like in this world kingdom. I think it's my laptop. That's really sad. But it's like my laptop's my kingdom because all of my writing's in there and all of the everything that I make is in there. My kingdom is a world where I create concepts and I create a lot of concepts and sometimes I release those concepts and sometimes I make them myself. Like I have so many stories planned. Like this is, this is part of the reason why I'm giving this uh, story to someone else to make. I would love to write it, but I already have at least two projects on the go and then another one that I've thought of and another one that I've thought of. And like, that's a lot of projects. (laughs) And so my dream kingdom is just a place filled with unfinished projects. And eventually I will finish them and it'll be the coolest looking place ever because it'll be partly like urban fantasy and partly sci-fi and partly a musical and partly like, uh, you know, all these sorts of different stories full of magic, full of writing. But also uh, it has a lot of stories that I'm releasing out into the world. Like I guess the oceans are this story, which someone else is, is you know, able to come and create or, or take with, with them or whatever, you know? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. See, it's like an imagination world. And the ocean is your stories? No, the whole world is my stories. There's nothing else in here, Claire. Where are your stories in your stories? What? 
well, if the kingdom is your stories, where are the stories in your kingdom that is your oh. stories? Oh, well, the, the stories populate the kingdom. They they make up the kingdom. The stories There's, are the citizens? The stories are the citizens. So the what stories happens are the... when the citizens, like, rebel? <laughs> what if there is a murderer among the citizens? That's just a bad story idea that I've realized that is bad. But is taking over other story ideas and sort of absorbing them and taking their powers. Why does this not happen in your your dream kingdom. Why does this only happen in my dream kingdom? I'm not saying it doesn't, but... Wait, you have ways to deal with your... I mean, mine... I think my kingdom is just the the writing that I do. Okay. The, my, my kingdom is the imagination land where all of my stories play together and populate that world. And it's less like each story is a single citizen and more like, over here is the city from a book that I'm writing. And over here is a bunch of planets. And here are the 11 other cities for the 11 other books that you're writing. Well, exactly that. It's exactly that. That's exactly what it is. Right, okay. Now, if one city, I guess, was to rebel, I guess that would just mean that I'm not writing that story anymore. Okay. They could leave, I guess. Go to your dream kingdom or something. Is that just plagiarism? It can be, but it can also be me giving it. Like, this is why the ocean is this little mermaid story. Because right. I'm like, if this story wants to go off to someone else, it has so the ability to So you're giving your ocean away. You're going to become landlocked. I guess. I guess that's what, I mean, the geography of the dream kingdom is the geography. It's stuff, it's what's in the ocean. Consider this just a bunch of mermaids this in an ocean. This is just a metaphor that's gotten way out of hand. That's my dream kingdom. A metaphor that's gotten way out of hand. Okay. Absolutely, that's what it is. Well, with all your little cities and your stories. (laughs) (laughs) My dream kingdom, Right. Your dream kingdom cities. Yes. Uh, One of the best ways of storytelling, in my opinion, is games, and my next craving is playing the Switch. Of course it is. Right. This is your your constant craving. Right, no, and this is the thing. There are so many different games on the Switch, Mm -hmm. but the cravings aren't for specific games. I just love the Switch as a concept, Mm. and as a console, and as a real-life thing. It's not Mm -hmm. just a metaphor about the Switch. It is a concrete interest. A there is concrete. no ocean of my Switch. <laughs> so is... one of the things that I really like about the Switch is the user interface of it and the user experience of it, or the UI and the UX, which... The UI, the UX. What, right. what about the IX? What is that? The interface experience? Yeah, that. The interface experience. Okay, well, I, that's just UI, UX development. Yep. <laughs> Right, so the UI and the UX of the Switch is a really interesting concept because it sort of follows how tablets are today. Mm. If you have grown up with a touchscreen, if you've grown up using a smartphone or a tablet or anything with a touchscreen, you immediately know how to use the Switch. Mm -hmm. And as adults, we don't really think about this anymore, but Nintendo likes to create consoles for kids. This Mm -hmm. is sort of their demographic. Yes. And if you're a kid and you are maybe, I guess, five or ten years old now, you've grown up your entire life with touchscreens. And so you just understand how to use this console. You don't have to think about it. Versus older consoles such as, say, 
the PS4 or the Xbox, these are largely based around desktop UI UX, I find. And so these are more directed at the generation with computers. So you have an older generation focusing on these. But what I really like about the Nintendo Switch is all of the re-releases that it has come into it. Oh my god, yeah. Nintendo for a long time has been trailing behind everyone else in terms of portability. The Nintendo Switch sort of changed that. One of their big releases when they first came out was Skyrim, which is a 10-year-old game almost at this point. But hey, it's Skyrim and people will still buy it. Mm -hmm. But there's also a bunch of other re-releases. There's Minecraft, of course, because Minecraft has to be on every single console That is how it works. If you don't have Minecraft on a console, it is not legally recognized as a console. (laughs) Right. Um, that's that's the, the process they go through in the console recognitions uh, offices of the um, every country. Right. Yeah. So there's also Mario Kart 8, which was just released on the Wii U when it came out, but then got re-released on the Switch with all its DLC added. Mm-hmm. And it's so much smoother. It's very pretty. And it's not even an old game. It's just got re-released because they wanted to re-release it. And it's vastly better. There's also Okami HD, which I've started playing. Okami? Okami. Oh, Okami. It's I was o- like, what's, what's this communist HD? Oh, no. It's just you are a wolf who is a god. Oh, yay. And you collect yeah. god Okami, yeah. yeah. But it's super pretty. I've never played it. I want to play it. You should play it. I have so many games I want to play on the Switch. There's Stardew, which yes. was released on every console except Nintendo consoles until this one. Hell yeah. And then what? also what's coming is Diablo 3, which is really- Diablo 3 is coming to the Switch? Yes, Diablo 3 is coming to the Switch, which is very interesting because Diablo 3 is also like a 10-year-old game. When are they going to release Hearthstone for the Switch so I can, you know- Who knows? But this is very interesting yeah. because the Nintendo Switch is opening up a lot of partnerships with other- yeah. Companies. Diablo 3 is a... Blizzard. Yes. Diablo 3 is a Blizzard game, and so this is the first ever Blizzard thing to ever touch a Nintendo console. Yeah. It also has a lot of other crossover, like Crash Bandicoot, which was only on PS1, PS2 for the longest time. Nintendo Switch is just seeing a lot of developers that didn't really look at Nintendo as an option before start to sort of consider it. I think, I think like, well, I think it's the first time that Nintendo has, yeah, Nintendo has really had other developers making stuff for their products. And I feel like that's got to represent at least a shift for Nintendo. I don't know. Like, I think Nintendo always makes good consoles and usually makes good games, but the Switch feels like very much the thing that everyone has been asking for forever. Not specifically the Switch, but there's a lot of things about the Switch that are like things everyone wanted. Right. It's also still a fairly new console. It came out in March 2017. That's why I just still don't have one. (laughs) Also because I've been living with you and you have a Switch and so therefore uh, I... Don't need one. Yeah, but I will soon. Yes. One of my favorite things is the portability of the Switch. Yeah. It's a portable console that isn't necessarily a handheld console. Yeah. But it is a handheld console as well because it's portable. It's like, it's like really is, I mean, you know, that's the, that's the, the concept of the Switch, right? That's the gimmick, but it's a good gimmick. And the thing is, I don't view it as a gimmick anymore, sort of as a potential where technology could go. This is another Mm. thing I really love about the Switch is if we start seeing our technology get better and 
and faster with smaller devices, we can start having handheld tablets become the norm. This is to say we could have a tablet with all our files on it, and then we could plug it into an external CPU or hardware, and then we could utilize the hardware of the external thing to run the files of the device, which is to say you could just carry around a tablet, plug it into your work computer and, you know, save everything to that and then bring it home and have the same files, but have a different setup. And this is where I think the Switch's gimmick is very much an interesting development in technology. So I don't know if I ever told you that I was, and I guess still am, but not to the same extent, but I was staunchly anti-tablet for a bit. Um, I think a lot of people were. Tablets weren't, they didn't have a good reputation. I just, I just never understood. I don't think I understood the point of them until the Switch kind of came along. I always thought tablets were like, I don't need a tablet. I have a laptop and a phone, right? Yeah, I feel that. And I have a tablet Mm -hmm. and I barely ever use it. Yeah. But if I could plug my tablet into my desktop hardware, I could run it with better hardware. I've always thought the idea of hardware or just technology that you can like... um, Combine. Combine or just you can add stuff to or like anything that is very physically like the Switch where you just stick it in and it goes from tablet to having a different use. Like, what if there was, you know, like, I always thought the concept of, like, technology you could touch to other technology to have it communicate was very interesting, or just, like, technology that is customizable in a very physical way. Right, and we're seeing more of that in the 2010s. There was, for a while, there was a Kickstarter of this phone that you could install different apps and hardware pieces onto the back of it, which is very interesting. I was super into that. It just, like, obviously practically, but also aesthetically. I mean, it was a really bad design, and I'm sure it got funded, but it was arguably kind of a terrible idea. I think that I it's, it's fair, but, like, I like the idea of... Maybe a great idea, but a bad execution. Yeah, I like the idea of technology that is more physical. That is, that feels like the physical aspect of it matters. Like, like I am not a huge fan of like sleek technology. I like stuff that is a little more chunky almost. And the Switch is both sleek and also has like every part of it is physical, right? There's like the stuff that is design wise about it is also usable. When you have it on its own, it has a different function than when you put it into the thing. And that means that the thing that is the tablet part of it to me has, has a more physical aspect. What is the function that's different? I mean, it changes from being mobile to, um, right. It goes from a mobile console to a sit down console. Yeah, exactly. And that is what's interesting to me that like, that is the, the design of the switch. It is, it is like, not like, like I get frustrated when it's just like, when a phone has like a a back that has no usage. What if that back had a usage? The sides of the switch have a usage. They slot into the dock and they have the, the controllers that slot onto it. Right. We're starting to see the backs of phones become more useful too for like fingerprint readers. I think stuff like that is super interesting. I like when technology is touchable in a really like neat way and where the use of it involves the design of it and the switch feels to me like something that is that it is i mean even just like the fact of the like switch logo being like a thing that clicks i like technology that clicks together in really cool ways i don't know that's that's something that i find cool about the switch aesthetically as a console like usually consoles to me have seemed like a thing that you especially like household consoles that aren't mobile are like things that exist 
for you to play games on. And the Switch is that, but it is also like the design of it. Like with most technology and a lot of consoles, you could switch the way that the design of the console looks. And as long as you keep some of the same buttons, it's whatever. Um, it's like, it'll work the same, right? Like it, as long as you keep the same buttons and it can play the same discs, it'll work the same. The Switch isn't like that. It is designed with everything sort of in mind. It is, it is designed in a way that complements the functionality or actually is directly necessary for the functionality. You couldn't just make the switch. You can just change the shape of the switch. So the switch is actually pretty well sold as well. It sold 19.6 million consoles, which is a lot of consoles. That's very fair few consoles. Yeah. And right now, fun fact, the best selling title is Mario Odyssey, which is a really <sighs> fun game. I want to play Odyssey so bad. I still haven't played it. It's, it's a really fun take fun. on the Mario series. Yeah. Where instead of having an overworld where you go into individual levels, you sort of have multiple overworlds that you just sort of run around in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Odyssey seems really cool. I've watched so much gameplay of it that I basically have the whole game spoiled, but I still want to play it because it looks super fun to play. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to do in it. I mean, yeah. The, the Switch is great. Yeah, and then you also have games like Zelda, The Breath of the Wild, where the first time you take that with you and you can just play that massive game on the go, it's amazing. God, yeah, 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 yeah. That's also super cool about the Switch, is is titles that are not usually mobile will now be mobile, or right. will have the same quality of mobile in the mobile version. Yeah, I've often found that a lot of the games work really well as mobile games, mm. even though they have been released for sit-down consoles before, such as Stardew is a very good game to take on the go because you can just pause it whenever due to the Switch's home button, and then you just power it into power-saving mode, and mm-hmm. you have it five hours later. I mean, I am really excited for Smash Ultimate, Yes, and I'm really excited for that be able to be played both mobile and household because there was Smash for the 3DS and Smash for the Wii U, but playing Smash for the 3DS was like, okay, everything is just a little bit worse here. And I'm really excited for it to not be worse, for it to be kind of a, a similar experience, mobile or at home. One of the things I'm really excited about Smash Ultimate is it sort of feeds into the ideology of the Switch, which is you take it and you play it on the go with friends, which is why you can use the Joy-Cons as mm-hmm. each individual controller. So mm-hmm. you always have two controllers on you at any given time. You can just take it with you and it has a stand so it can stand on its own and then then you just hand the controller to someone else and it's not like the best controller but it works that is super cool and just the fact that the this is what i mean when i say that every part of the switch is designed in like the things the joy cons go onto the switch and make it a mobile console but also work as controllers on their own that's so cool and one of my favorite things in terms of how they've sort of thought through some software things such as pairing your device is if you have a joy con you just slide it into the console and it's paired automatically you just slide it into your own switch later and it's paired again removes all the syncing problems of controllers oh god yeah Nintendo yeah, 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 yeah. That's, oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. Everything about the Switch is so cool. So we play the Switch together sometimes and it's fun. Or you watch, you play Dead Cells and then I play Dead Cells and we watch each other play Dead Cells, which I love. And I really enjoy hanging out with you and spending time with you, which is why one of my cravings has to do with platonic relationships being more valued. I want more songs of people talking about their best friends and talking about their friendships. Romance is the most 
common like thing that you see in songwriting. I want more songs that are about, I just really love my friend or my friend and I are, you know, in this, in this sort of way. And like one of the examples of this that I mean that I've been listening to because it's such a good song is Boy Problems by Kylie Rae Jepsen because it is literally about, I may have just broken up with my boyfriend, but that's less important than the fact that I've been using my best friend's emotional labor without uh, consideration for her needs. Right. And now we're having a, a, a some issues and that's way more important than any relationship. Yeah. It's about how we've all had boy problems and yeah. well, now my friend is having boy problems. The song has a lot to do with like the friendship relationship and how important the friendship relationship is. I need more songs that are about just friendship. Friendship. Where are my friendship songs? I was right. promised this as a child who grew up on shows that talked about friendship. Where's all my friendship songs? Yeah, there's a lot of TV shows and movies that have recently been moving towards themes such as chosen family and friends and whatnot being very important. And I think this is a very interesting development and something that I really like because romantic relationships and platonic relationships sort of lose their distinction, specifically in the circles that I'm in and like the non-monogamous circles. A lot of Mm -hmm. people might have relationship hierarchies or no hierarchies. And then once you remove hierarchies, everything falls apart and you start have to define everything again in a different way instead of just using hierarchies. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I am monogamous, but I am also like someone who values my friendships often much more than romantic relationships I've had or or at the same level at the very least. Right. I consider my a lot of my platonic relationships to be the most important relationships in my life, like with you, Claire. Well, one of the things that I find that holding a romantic relationship above a platonic relationship is often how emotional labor is spread out. Mm. This happens a lot in monogamous relationships, but it also happens in non-monogamous relationships. It happens in all kinds of relationships where you put too much expectation on one person and you sort of start to expect their emotional labor and then that can sort of drain Mm. them and they can no longer be there for you when they're, when you need them, which is why platonic relationships where you can sort of take your emotional labor needs and spread them out over mm-hmm. multiple people because mm-hmm. you have one problem and maybe someone knows how to deal with it more than another person. And that way, one, you're not going to the same person every time. Yeah. And two, you have the best sort of answer to your problem. That's totally the thing. And it's not even just to do with emotional labor, right? No. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I love my partner, but like, I really like to play video games. My partner is not super into video games. So I'm going to go hang out with my friends and play video games. Like there's, there's different values of different friendships just because one person is never going to fulfill all your needs. And so expecting all of that from a romantic relationship isn't healthy or realistic. Sometimes you have to, or at least should, like have platonic connections that are really valuable to you. Right. And at least we see in a lot of pop culture that you find your one and then you cut off relationships with your friends and you sort of isolate away from them and you spend all your time with a partner. Yeah. This happens in real life and it, it does. is idealized in lots of media. And it's sad because like platonic relationships are super important and friendship is very important. Uh, not to sound like, you know, one of the children's shows that I watched growing up, yeah. but, but like friendship and connection and multiple types of connection that have multiple values. One of my important. favorite quotes that I always like to think about that reminds me of this 
is the people in the relationship are more important than the relationship. Mm, And this is a really good reminder for me because it sort of just breaks down that relationships are just an abstract concept. We're all just people and we all have relationships to everyone else, whether that is a stranger or a platonic relationship or a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. In terms of just the abstract concept of what a relationship is and sort of like just remembering that you don't have to have expectations. You don't have to have rules within these relationships. Expectations and rules are often just placed there and aren't talked about. Mm -hmm, And I think mm -hmm. challenging the not talked about things is more important. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm I'm with you. And I I, I get it. I'm also like, specifically because I'm talking about how I want more songs about this. Because like, I am single and I've been single for a bit. And that's like, just a thing in my life that I don't think is likely to change anytime soon. And that's fine. But sometimes it's like, you get the lonely feeling because you're like, oh, okay, I guess I just don't have any of these Like, I don't have anything like this in my life and lots of other people do. But like, the thing is that I have lots of valuable relationships that I deeply care about and consider important to me. But all of the songs, especially that I listen to, don't like, you know, acknowledge those. So when I'm listening to music, I would rather not be like, damn, love is cool. Too bad I don't experience that or I don't have that right now. Whereas in reality, I could be like, wow, I love so many people. I just don't love them in the way that, you know, I just don't love them in the way that a lot of the songs talk about. And so I want more songs that I can listen to when I'm feeling love for my friends. And I want to listen to love about my friends. Well, not about my friends. I don't want to listen to people's songs about my friends. That's a little weird. I mean, I would listen to that, but I... (laughs) But I mean, just more like I want to be able to have more music that is about the value of friendships. And especially because like Boy Problems is great because it is a song that explicitly says my relationship with my best friend is way more important than my relationship with this boy. So yeah, that is something that I want and need. But yeah, so friendship is important. Everyone, please write more songs about friendship. Please write the little mermaid story I want you to write. Please The wa- friendship mermaid song. The friendship mermaid song. Give me the friendship mermaid song. Please, uh, please watch Avatar The Last Airbender. Which I'm is going also to... about friendship and chosen family. It is also about friendship and chosen family. And I'm going to watch it with my friends, probably. So that's like double friendship levels. That's like layers of friendship. It's almost what friendship is. It's just layers of ideas. Friendships are like ogres. They've got layers. I was really just hoping you'd say they star in Shrek. <laughs> I, I guess they do, but the Shrek and Donkey friendship is not like most friendships that I have. I mean, they do live in a swamp, so that's kind of... Like different or the same as my life? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> my Actually, my dream kingdom is built in the swamp. It's my swamp. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that Monty Python bit where it's just like, we built a castle in the swamp and then it fell. And then we built the castle in the swamp again. And then it fell again. But the third time it stayed up. And then later on it's like, well, we need more land. Our castle's built in the swamp. Um, That's my, that's my dream kingdom. It's built in the swamp. Okay. (laughs) Um, So is the swampy water your little mermaid? The little mermaid, but it's just an ogre. This is just Shrek. And that's the game that people should be playing on the Switch. (laughs) Shrek 10. The Little Mermaid. Shrek 10, The Little Mermaid. (laughs) The the famous Disney DreamWorks crossover everyone's always been waiting for. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so with all of that, thank you for listening to our episode. You can follow us at Salt Cravings on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at contact at saltcravings.com. Uh, please tell us about what cravings you're having. Please tell us about what you think about our cravings. Give please us. tell us anything. Please tell us anything. <laughs> that isn't rude. Please don't be rude. You can be a little rude. I mean, how rude? Don't be like big rude. I gotta read this. I don't want to read the read the big a, rude. You can have exactly one one cuss word in there. <laughs> one cuss word. One cuss word per message. One cuss word per message. None of them slurs. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so that's all for today. Thank you. We just need a Looney Bye. Tunes outro at this. Oh, that was so sad. No. Okay. Yeah. 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 We just need Tunes outro. We just need a Looney. That's all, folks.